0: Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of The Breakfast Pod, your weekly dose of gaming news. I'm joined as always by my co-host and fellow game developer, Blue. How's it going, good sir?
1: It's been a long week,
0: feels like, hasn't it? It has been a long week and I don't know if that's just because gaming news started up again because those new consoles are out or if it's our workload at our regular game dev job. I think it's it's more the latter.
1: Yeah, I think it's the (laughs) latter. I don't, like consoles are cool. Consoles are very cool. I don't have a new console. So I think it's the latter. I
0: do, I do have a new console, but we could talk about that at the end of the show. Um, so, yeah, uh, the new consoles are out. We had a very slow news week last week when the podcast came back from hiatus, but this week there's been quite a bit of stuff, so we're just going to dive right in and dissect the biggest uh, headlines. Uh, and this isn't necessarily a big headline, but I thought this was really interesting, um, mainly because I'm playing Yakuza Like a Dragon at the moment, but... Uh, Ryuga Gotoku studio producer Daisuke Sato has said that he would like to get involved with the Sonic the Hedgehog game at least once in his career, which is just super cool. <laughs> so this was part of sega's sixty year celebration. They were doing an interview with um with Sato and they asked what i p he would most like to get his hands on and the, from coach- the Sega from the sega. yes fr- from the sega Sega pool of stuff and uh He said, after all, when you hear Sega, you think Sonic. I'd like to get involved once at least. But for me, the so-called Sonic is, well, if I were to do it, I wouldn't do Sonic as it was. I would try to make a completely different Sonic. Which, you know, Yakuza is just so crazy in so many respects. But the thing that's really awesome about it is they always swing so hard for the fences. So, I wonder... What sort of crazy Sonic ideas could be cooked up by that studio? Like, it'll never happen, but it's super cool to think about.
1: It could be anything. Sonic could go back to Arthurian times. Sonic could become a weird hedgehog. Oh, wait.
0: (laughs) Wait, that's a thing that happened. (laughs) Oh, man. Those games, games, yeah. It would be cool. It would be
1: cool to see what he would do. Mostly because, yeah, Sonic's already done all the weird shit anyway. And most of the weird shit flops because um, Sonic has a very core that... Sonic fans can tell you what it is. I do not know what the core of Sonic is, uh, just from looking in. But Sonic fans know what it is. And, um... I've it'd be neat to see Sonic. how it's... Yeah. But I just... I never really got it. Right! <laughs> like... Yeah, like... It's not a speedrun game. Like, you can speedrun it, but, like, to speedrun it, you have to know so much. It's not an easy speedrun. You know, it's not a game where, like, Dust Force is a speedrun. Sonic Yeah, for great. sure. It's It's just... It's it stopped never made being an exploration game. It was an exploration game, Sonic 1 and 2. But then they start bringing the camera in closer and it's not an exploration game anymore. Yeah, uh, but the thing to me was you're
0: always running to the right and going over the pads and you're jumping over three quarters of the map all the time. So I was like, what is... I don't know. As a Mario, like, growing up, you know, I yeah. had a Nintendo, my best friend had a Sega and, mm-hmm. like, we would, we would trade all the time and I just... Yeah. I never got into Sonic, man. Uh,
1: totally. Some of it is about exploration and how you get the level play the way you want i've seen some of that breakdown but that philosophy kind of goes out once you hit like knuckles and above and knuckles yeah, above, yeah, I yeah. Should say. um like yeah especially the 3d sonics i feel like a lot of 3d sonics struggled to find an identity early on and you know there are eras like there's the the boost era sonic that has a certain gameplay feel there is yeah do the, the shadow, I don't, the hedgehog no. era. Hey, look! <laughs> you wanted to give Sonic guns, but you're like, that's you know Batman doesn't use guns, so I guess we make uh, Man Bat and put him gun. Makes Man Bat. I know Man Bat is an actual character as well in Batman.
0: Yeah. Oh really? I did not yeah, know yeah. this. No, no, that
1: that's it is totally a doctor who, who screwed up some experiments and became like a bat person. It's that's wild. That's yeah. so wild. I love it. Um, as wild as the Sonic games and. Yeah, I think Yakuza flavoring onto Sonic would be weird. But please, just don't make a Sonic RPG.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. Could you imagine, uh, like, Sonic... Like, I, I said in the Breakfast Wrap video, like, just bring Sonic to Kamurocho. But, like, that uh, would be...
1: Ha- having said strange. that, right, like, Mario's um, Seven Rings, is that right? Mario's yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's like one stars. of the best... Seven Star yeah. sorry. It's like one of the best um, RPGs ever. Yeah. So maybe, maybe. Maybe. Maybe that is. Maybe they could do it. If Maybe anyone could do it.
0: Yeah. If anyone could do something like just crazy and make it work, I think it's that Studio. I, I believe. It. Do it, Sega. Do it, Sega. Moving on to another bit of news that's kind of not news, but interesting, mainly because Blue and I are planning to do something Mass Effect related <laughs> in the future. And this is my way of us committing to it. <laughs> So uh, there's obviously Bioware have sort of teased that they're working on a new Mass Effect game. And many people are a bit like, well, why? Because Andromeda was bad and the ending to three is still argued about many a time. Um, But Bioware has managed to tease some images via their fans because they recently released uh, Bioware Stories and Secrets from 25 Years of Game Development, which is a coffee table book. And as soon as uh, users got a hold of it, they started circling these images. They're very small images of what the mass, the new Mass Effect project is taking concept from. It's kind of weird and not Mass Effect looking. No. But kind Isn't of Mass Star Effect Wars. looking. It definitely, like, especially, obviously this is a v- visual thing, so it doesn't work so well on a podcast. But there's definitely mm. an image here that very much looks like yeah. Um A broken Mass Effect relay it looks like it's being rebuilt, perhaps. So... I don't know. Enough time. There's so much breadth of, uh, universe to explore here that they could explain away the ending of three to make something happen. Um, but Mike Gamble, who is the, uh, who is the Mass Effect director, project director was quoted in the book by saying, there's an incredible universe of history to draw from and many more stories for us to tell. We're focusing on creating something truly for the fans. So it sounds like they're going to be playing it safe. Sounds like they probably heard the response to Andromeda. How could you not? Um, so, you know, I think if they, if they release something that's less than stellar, that has done the Mass Effect's name. Like you can't come back from that, at least not for 10 years or something.
1: Maybe, but that's what people said about Andromeda.
0: Well, yeah, I think consumer confidence in Mass Effect is definitely on the down. I didn't play Andromeda, so maybe that's why I'm a bit like oh, Mass Effect, hell yeah! But mm-hmm. <laughs> at least the the loud people that you hear. Yeah. Um But then that also leads me because I haven't played it, and like, yes, I saw the videos of all the bugs, but I'm kind of intrigued to go to it now. Like, if they've fixed it, like, was it as bad as everyone said, or was it just the immense expectations of that series? I do y- wonder. Yeah, about it.
1: I've always felt like they shot themselves in the foot if you're leaving. If you're leaving the Milky Way and going to Andromeda, why even call it Mass Effect?: Yeah, you know also true. like why like, yes, say that it's in the same universe, but why is Mass Effect in the leading game there? It's my question, like that sets yourself up for so much expectation um because because so, EA made them for money, yeah, because EA made them for money, <laughs> precisely, but you know from a from a strictly creative standpoint, and I 100 percent understand it's business, but from a strictly creative standpoint. If you are separating yourself so far that you are literally in another um, galaxy, why why is it even Mass Effect, right? Uh, did did I hear this correct? I am pulling from uh, memories now. Is Casey Hudson back with them? That is
0: from my recollection that he yeah. came back after leaving. He'd been gone for quite a while. He has and been he, gone. He was back so- there to be like, oh, I'm here to write the ship because like
1: Mass Effect was my. Baby, and I got Correct. this. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, and as much of flack as he got for the end there, um, it is his initial vision, right? Like, the, it, it, a lot of it comes from him. So Yeah, absolutely. That- like, I remember meeting him at
0: uh, E3 one year, and he, like, sometimes you'll meet these people that are in these creative director roles of mm. these big franchises, and you can kind of tell that they don't really care or know the specifics, and that was definitely mm. not the case with with uh, Mr. Nelson. No. He was, no, he was I- very much. A living, breathing embodiment of like the real life, basically.
1: Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised with that. It's such a world filled with so much care, and that feels like it starts from the top. So, yeah, for sure. That that adds a bit of um faith to this potential project, but we'll see. We'll see, I yeah, uh, will ho- see.
0: Not holding my breath for this. I did download uh, Mass Effect Three on my Xbox Series X for for reasons. So, uh-huh. stay tuned. Stay tuned in about six months, folks. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's going to take a while. <laughs> moving on, and this is just going to be a quick one, but uh head of PlayStation Jim Ryan has refused to confirm whether or not the God of War sequel Ragnarok is exclusive to p s five so i'm I'm a little surprised by this whole thing to be honest um. They released a teaser for Ragnarok at a PlayStation event a little while ago, and by teaser, I mean the absolute bare minimum of what a teaser could be. It was basically just a logo glowing on a black background, and yeah. people were losing their mind. Like, there are YouTube React videos of people like, I got chills, bruh, I got chills, this is so good, oh my god! I was like, "Yeah." if they're not going to make another God of War. It was like the yeah, most like successful everyone- reboot of any franchise they've ever done. But How are you surprised by this?
1: Not Not only that. That, that sets up a sequel. Yeah, exactly. Like, and When, a, and when this, a game sets up a sequel and succeeds, it's going to make a sequel. Absolutely. And it didn't even show anything. It literally just showed the logo. No. Yeah. But people have been I mean, banging it, on about it. It gave us a name, officially, which we didn't have. Yeah,
0: it's true. It's true. It to gave us fair. a name. And then uh, now they're like, well, is it going to be PlayStation 5 exclusive? Because I just bought this, maybe, of yeah. six people yeah. that could get one. I just bought yeah. this very expensive console. Uh, it's going to be exclusive, right? And Jim Ryan's not saying yes or no, um, which, you know, from a business sense and from what my prediction here is that they're waiting to see how that PS5 pans out, how many units they can get shipped before Ragnarok is due, yep. um, because the PlayStation 4 sold incredibly well. Like- Yep massively inflated numbers everywhere across the world. So like putting it out on a console, that's hardly got a user base. Does not make sense. That's a huge amount of revenue that they cannot cash in on. Cause not everyone is going to want to buy a PS5, especially cause the PS4 still looks pretty decent. Um,
1: Here's so, the other yeah, it's side interesting things from a development perspective. Um, uh, Santa Monica studios were not sitting on their asses. Many I 100% believe that the day, the, the week after um, let's say they gave themselves a week. The week after God of War launched, they were back in already working on Ragnarok. And even before that, designs would have already been drawn up. And if um, if they hit tech at any point, it would have been on PS4 hardware at the time. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, so 100% God of War Ragnarok was on PS4 at one point. So,
0: Look, the harsh realities of this too is that like basically the main difference between the two platforms is graphical power and the SSDs. So there's no reason why it can't run on both. And it gets the benefit of being on their PS5 to have ray tracing and extra resolution and extra performance and, and you know, some bells and whistles here and there. Um, but, of course, people who've just bought shiny new
1: consoles don't want that. Okay, That's not how no. video games worked in the past, Blue. That's not how I, it I happened. I will refute some of that. If you knew you could commit to only PS5, You would cut down on um, elevators, you would cut down on the walking cracks, you you know, all those loading screen tricks. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Absolutely. Which I don't think they will cut down on, because I do think this was going to be prepped.
0: Yeah, no, there there are design things that can be done to make games better, but it's not like... Uh, you know, going from PS2 to PS3 where you're just like blown no. away. It's, no, no, it's no. more quality of life stuff, which yeah. we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yes. Um, but yeah, interesting stuff. I will, I'd be willing to put money on. It's coming out on both. Um, but unless it gets delayed, like if there's a reason why it gets massively delayed and they might just scrap a PS4 version. Mm-hmm. Now, the big bit of news, which is from a company that's near and dear to your heart, Capcom got hit by a massive ransomware attack. Uh, there's a group called Ragnar Locker, a group of hackers that have taken over a terabyte of data and have leaked a bunch of it after Capcom refused to pay up the ransom. They've been reported to the Osaka Prefectural Police. Uh, so we'll see what comes from there. Now, before we get into like the cool, exciting stuff, uh, it is important to note that um, personal employee information, uh, like HR information, um, along with development schedules, stakeholders, stuff, and customer information has been stolen as a part of this. So it is important to remember that while it's cool that we know some stuff now, like this is a terrible attack. Um, yep. They have confirmed that no credit card information was stolen because Capcom don't hold that on file. That's through with another third party. So that's good. Yep. Um, but, you know, user account information has been taken, especially for the Capcom store. So if you do have accounts, through any Capcom service, just play it safe, change that password. Yep. Um, but let's get to the news. And there was quite a bit of news. So the the first uh, lot of info here comes around Resident Evil Village, which we knew was coming in 2021, but now it's looking that the release window is going to be April 2021, uh, which is going to be exciting. Um, The PS5 players will get the demo before anyone else, but it is coming to multiple platforms, multiple generations, I guess we should be saying for now as well. Um, It also will have, by the looks of it, a separate online mode, a la Resident Evil 3's remake. Uh, It's codenamed Dominion. We don't know what it is, um, but it's probably just uh, Resistance or whatever that one from RE3 was. But in the world of Village, they don't get your hopes up too much. There's also mention of a VR version of Resident Evil 4 that's coming exclusive to the Oculus Store, which makes sense because the Oculus Quest is, like, setting the world on fire right now. Interesting thing for me here, and Blue, maybe you have a bit of an idea, is they haven't really done a big up-res of Resident Evil 4 in a long while. Um, They did do a HD release for the PC, um, which I played through recently on stream. But that game's looking pretty old and rough. I don't think it's going to work super well in VR because of that. So, I don't know. Maybe are they looking to do that HD treatment that they've been doing to the other games to RE4 is the question.
1: Mm. I wouldn't bet on it.
0: It's possible. I just don't see them making RE4 with graphics from 2009. Very true. Very true. And and it's not in-house anymore, right? Yeah, like I guess the interesting thing here is like RE2 was winning Game of the Year awards like you know ten or fifteen years after it came out. Um, that remake was so amazing. Did they just start working on four then, and that's why three was outsourced and why three was rushed and just oh, you you think four could be in house could be could be? That's the could- only way I can see it. Like I just cannot imagine a game like. The game doesn't look bad but by today's standards like it looks pretty bad like it's looking rough uh, so the reason
1: i don't think that is true mm-hmm. is because uh so perspective here yep. with a lot of companies and a lot of publishers um you have an idea of how many studios they run because they run studios right mm-hmm. uh capcom doesn't really make that public they run teams so very mm-hmm. simple. this is a very japanese thing japanese developers tend to run teams as opposed to studios. um we believe, as in we, the general public who follow Capcom believes Capcom has three uh, teams to do mm-hmm. internal house. Uh, I think they're all accounted. We have Don't Make Cry, Monster Hunter, and um, a, a very like a uh, year and a half, maybe two years ago, they said, "And there's a new IP that will that is existing that people will be surprised about." And I don't think we ever heard what that was. Um, uh, mm. which is pretty and, standard for Capcom. <laughs> to and, be honest, <laughs> yeah. And and then alongside that, they have all the ongoing support stuff, like fighting in Street Fighter, uh, stuff like that. I, I don't feel like they have the bandwidth, but they have also been growing. Capcom has also been growing, uh, quite an amount ever since uh, Monster Hunter Well Smash yeah. it right. Yeah, yeah. World really allowed them to build. So Capcom was dying. Like they were three months away from bankruptcy at one point. And
0: well, then the big rumor was that Microsoft were looking to buy them. They were on the ropes.
1: Yeah. Like Capcom was like really dire straits. And then Monster Hunter World hit. And so they there's they've started growing again, which makes it unclear how many teams are actually in Capcom now. So it's entirely possible but Yeah. Yeah they, just I I, I, I think it would be outsourced if if four was made.
0: Yeah, I yeah. just think from my side, like, why would you go in and make the trouble? Like, yeah. that game's big. You've got to do a lot of work to make that VR work. It is, yeah.
1: So it's like, why would you, you make like, that trouble for it to I look- I, I immediately mm. discounted it because I, I thought about in-house, but if it's outsourced, I could see it. Oh, yeah. Anyway, for whatever reason, I don't feel like it's Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I know that Oculus has been throwing a lot of money around
0: too, so. Mm, mm. Maybe, maybe there's a, a beneficial deal that made everything work for them. Uh, And they also said that the Resident Evil Netflix series Infinite Darkness will be coming out in May as a tentative release date.
1: Mm.
0: Now, there's stuff that you're interested in, Blue. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Monster Hunter Stories 2 and Monster Hunter Rise have been confirmed for the PC.
1: That makes it so much harder to decide where to get it.
0: Yes. so Monster Hunter Stories 2 is going to be launching the same day as the Switch version, which is slated for June 2021. Yep. And both will receive free and paid DLC. Monster Hunter Rise, which this article says is the official sequel to Monster Hunter World. Yeah, I couldn't find anything to corroborate that report, but it is it's, it's this, not from the marketing. From the marketing it's not. Like immediately. Well, well we don't know what the internal documents of these are translated from. Yeah, right, that's true. So, uh this is PC Gamer and they're reporting is pretty solid but once again i could not find another mention of that but throwing it out there grain of salt um features new monsters new locales and a wolf you can ride around on will be releasing on pc in october 2021 uh which both of these games looked to be a nintendo switch exclusive um which would be in line with the story series has always been a handheld nintendo exclusive yep monster hunter has typically been like it looked like a bit of a crossbreed between old Monster Hunter and Monster Hunter World. Like, it did not look to be a continuation of Monster Hunter World, which makes sense because those games have continued to come out on the Nintendo Switch. So, yeah, it's a bit of a surprise, but also a bit of a no-brainer considering how popular Monster Hunter has become on PC. How do you feel
1: about it as our resident Monster Hunter expert? It lines up. I'm surprised they haven't announced it. Because you're right. A lot of people um, are really happy. I guess maybe my gut instinct again. I I don't know, Jack. I'm a dude on the internet, uh, <laughs> but my gut instinct is that they may be worried about the backlash of the, the distance between the two, because we're we're mm-hmm. looking at a almost six months difference, which is the same distance that was between World PS4 and World PC, and like they spent the entirety of um, Monster Hunter World's lifespan reducing that to the point where the final the DLC expansion was simultaneous, um, PC and PS4. So maybe they were worried that fans would be annoyed again because people were people were very sad that PC was six months behind. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. And are they even at parity now? Are they now? Yeah, all as right. I said, it it took all this time, but I believe so. World has, uh, in October, World released its final update. Full proper DLC pack thing, yep, yep, for Iceborne, and that I believe that was parody right? Gotcha. So right at the product's life, and yeah, ends, at the end, yeah, yep. yep. And they just which makes are sense. They which makes sense. Are they doing the thing where they're just rotating the events through again for people yeah, who missed? Yeah, or? there will yeah. be events on and when seasonal events are up, all prior ones or like a big selection of prior ones are available to run again. But uh it makes sense that they want to cap off development on both sides at the same time, so. They just parodied um, uh, PS4 and PC at the same time, so that they don't mm-hmm. have to have the PC team working on Monster Hunter World while everyone else is on Rise, right? But yeah, 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 that um. makes sense.
0: So yeah, definitely exciting times to be a Monster Hunter fan, no matter which platform you're on. Probably Unless so. you're a PlayStation <laughs> player, I guess. I mean, I think I'll probably get it for Switch, assuming it yeah. runs well on the Switch. Yeah, if if
1: it, if it doesn't have like horrendous frame rate stuff, I don't need the because um for anyone who's not aware Monster Hunter World on PC looks markedly better than Monster Hunter World on PS4. Yeah, absolutely. They it, 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 they also put in 4K texture packs. Just you can just download that. It it doubles the size of your game and yeah, it looks pretty if your computer can handle it. I probably don't need that. Like I yeah, I like it on the go. I think I like that on the go. Yeah, having that ability to just kind of play it
0: anywhere and like if you ever get over to Japan after pandemic Playing around on mm. a Switch together
1: would be pretty cool. That'd be amazing.
0: Yeah. Um, which was actually the first... Mm, I think I may have told this story on stream, but we're, we're going to go off the news track for a minute. My first experience with the Monster Hunter series was when I was working for Game Informer. I was doing a review of the Tri re-release on the Wii U, and I'd never yep. played Monster Hunter. I'd heard of it before. Yeah. Um, And uh, the Nintendo rep had to bring a dev kit to my house um and like that's always a weird thing we were actually talking about this before the podcast with a different product but it's a weird thing when they're involved in the review process in a way no matter what way it is it's always a little odd um but it was one of the cases of uh you couldn't do it unless they brought the dev kit to wherever you were so it was my house and uh he rocked up with the dev kit and um He's, like, holding an ice pack. He's like, hey, do you mind if I put this in your freezer? And I'm like, sure, no worries. And then he takes the ice pack off, and he had a rock climbing accident that night, or that day, and had pretty much concaved his muscle. The rope got tied around his thing. And I'm like, "Uh, we can do this another time, man. Like, you should go home and rest. And he's like, nah, I just really want to play Monster Hunter. And he wasn't, like, a PR guy that was lying. He sat on the couch with a 3DS, played Monster Hunter for about four and a half hours, uh, and knew everything about the game. And, like, I'd been in many situations where you're with a PR rep, and they just have the dot points. Like, he knew how to play Monster Hunter, like, perfectly. Knew all the nuance of it. Um, And it was the only way I could try the multiplayer before. So we did that for four hours. Then he left the console with me for a couple of weeks um but yeah super super cool so like i've always had this a uh, weird affinity with that franchise where like i like the idea of having it on the go because that yeah. was kind of my first experience with it and
1: that's the that's the core that they kind of let go for world and that's why world was such a a like carefully paced out thing from capcom of like we don't think pc players were like this because our core audience has always been the people on the go right yeah um, yeah they just they just didn't realize the market that was there at the time so yeah, Not surprised absolutely. at all. It, it is designed for on the go hunting. But I do I, feel sorry
0: for Dauntless because that yeah. team had worked for years on, we're going to make a Monster Hunter for PC. for PC. And then they released yeah. it. And then, like, a month later, it's like, Monster Hunter World's coming to PC. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. oh,
0: I felt so and bad for them because Dauntless is just, a cool game.
1: It is a very cool game. And there are definitely cool moments, but World is so much more polished and it has the legacy of like almost 20 years of development behind it. Hard to beat that experience yeah totally um uh, but keeping on with the capcom
0: leak there was also a document about a new game that's codenamed shield yeah. it's a shooter featuring a campaign with several multiplayer modes including raids survival and base defense apparently we can expect a, D- a pc demo to come out september in 2021 and then release in march 2022 Uh, no information has been sort of shown about what the game looks like or what it actually is. But the leak did uh, show that the team wanted to hire a streamer, but then decided it would be too expensive. And the streamer likely would stop playing as soon as the contract expired. So they're going the route of uh, using mid tier streamers, actively trying to attract more followers and turn them into long-term ambassadors. So a bit of inside baseball of how game devs think about marketing their games. Um, So yeah, huge leak. Huge amount of information. Obviously, the dates are very much up in the air because we know that COVID is messing around lots of things or, you know, Cyberpunk delaying is making everyone else delay their stuff. Um, but, yeah, that's what it's looking like at the moment.
1: This lines up for an announcement from uh, Eddie, right? If these dates um, follow through. Yes, tend to assuming... want to launch within six to nine months of when you announce.
0: Yeah, yeah. And assuming assuming that there even is an E3 this year
1: well a lot of people plan for announcement at that time of year. yeah yeah yeah, exactly because you hit it just before summer and then summer is a bit dead and you get the post-summer releases yeah play does it so Makes yeah
0: sense.
1: uh so remember how uh epic
0: were suing apple because mm-hmm. they were like yo you need to like bring down the fee of the the app store and then up apple were like hey epic how about you don't sell fortnite anymore on our store and uh that's been going on in the background for quite a few months now Um, Apple has done something here uh, and they've actually announced a new initiative. It is called uh, where is the name of this thing? Uh, The app store, small business program. It's going to roll out on January 1st and we'll see the standard 30% fee reduced to 15% for any developer that qualifies. The qualifying marker there is any developer that doesn't earn a million US dollars in a year from the app store, which of course Epic games do. So Epic is not (laughs) included in that, but this is definitely no small thing. Like this will help a majority of small indie teams significantly, even AA probably don't hit a million, a lot of them. So like this will help a significant amount of uh, not just game devs, app devs in general. Um, And I do hope that, uh, you know, perhaps steam would follow suit because there have been reports that, you know, the bigger publishers get a more favorable deal, which doesn't make sense when indies are slogging it out. But at the same token, like indies can't sell their games without that platform. So like I'm of the uh, thing that, you know, steam earned that 30% because steam started doing this at a time when no one believed in it. And everyone kind of was like, that's not going to work. And now like, they stuck at it. They put in the hard work they deserve to reap that reward. Like I am of that opinion, even though
1: it is a little shitty
0: uh, at times, but yeah, when I, you start hearing about them making deals with bigger publishers for better deals, like that's not cool. I'm not down with that.
1: Yeah. I think if they, it was a blanket, like that is just how you have to deal business with us. Yeah. Whatever. But the it, it feels two-faced. Steam, uh, uh-huh. Valve has felt very two-faced and it's not, it is actually not the fault of any of the representatives I've seen or like heard of from Valve. I from all accounts, anyone on the ground with Valve who works with Valve, who's like at conventions and stuff talking to devs, they all seem extremely genuinely interested. Like I, I, I do genuinely believe that a lot of very passionate people work with Valve. But whatever else, the policies from on high are not favorable to indie devs on Valve's platform. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. They do not care about the problem of um indie games being Ground in among other indie games, like they literally don't care about that. Um, their tag system doesn't really help. Uh, like there, there's so many accounts of why and how hard it is to get any kind of traction on Steam, and Valve certainly has not made any moves in the past multiple years to try to address it. This is information that's out there, compiled by other people via Valve and Steam APIs, and I cannot believe that Valve doesn't know most of this they just have made very conscious efforts to not do anything yeah yeah i think so so too
0: i'm definitely not saying they're good but i definitely do think that as you said blanket wise 30 percent is justified i think like same as microsoft and all that stuff yeah because without using the xbox to get your game then you can't make an anyway
1: um but in in the the same token though i will also say this it is fine to criticize them when other platforms are offering exactly Exactly. So, and like, I'm think, not saying, yeah, we're not, we're not demonizing them, but also criticize them. That's how uh, capitalism works, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, like the argument to be made about Epic, like standing
0: up for the rights of developers and stuff, like you know, noble and all, but Tim Sweeney, CEO at Epic, just will not shut his mouth. I've been pretty <laughs> vocal how I didn't really agree with how they've gone about what they've been doing. But in a recent, uh, in a recent event online. According to TechCrunch, he likened this fight to the civil rights movement in the US. Um, So the quote here is, uh, so going along with Apple's agreement is what is wrong. That's why Epic mounted a challenge to this. And you know, you can hear any, and, and he kind of trails off a little bit, you can't hear, to civil rights fights. Where there were actual laws in the books and the laws were wrong and people disobeyed them and it was not wrong to disobey them because to go along with them would have been collusion to make them the status quo. And it's a little bit like, how dare you compare to multi-million dollar companies squabbling over how either of them can lose less money in a deal to the, you know long storied history of racial inequality and injustice in America.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: That's not all. I don't really I yeah, don't that's, really want to Yeah, and it's still happening. Yeah. I don't really want to comment on it much more. Yeah. Because I'm it it annoys me. It really annoys me as a non-American white dude. It annoys me even. Yeah. But yeah, yeah.
1: Totally. It uh-huh. it's uh He's come out say- and
0: said, did I say anything technically wrong? Like, what we did was right. And it's like, <laughs> you can say things that are technically right and still sound like an absolute
1: dickhead, yeah, mate. Yeah, like, uh, in in fact, many people do that on Twitter <laughs> all the time. Um, exactly. I, I will say this. Uh, you know, the last time we spoke about this, or, like, one of the times we spoke about this, I said that, in my mind, uh, Epic's stance would should have been, uh, you know for the people and then they don't want a jury yeah exactly really don't understand the lines they're taking here like are you what what are you if you are saying that you're doing this for the people here you're not you don't believe in that in court like yeah yeah so very very
0: strange case uh i'm sure it's not the last i've heard of it i did Uh, see a snippet that they're taking apples in australia to court i didn't even bother reading that but um, yep, interesting interesting stuff um, More interesting stuff and I was kind of excited about this uh, IO Interactive, the developers behind the long Hitman series which I absolutely love uh, they had a teaser that they were announcing a new game this week, they were announcing it Friday morning, so we actually put off the podcast for a day because I was like I want to know what they're doing, and then uh, I found out it was a James Bond game and I don't really care that much <laughs> so um, <laughs> yep. is it? It's codenamed Project 007. It's going to be a wholly original story exploring the origin of James Bond. Uh, It's going to be developed by IO Interactive in partnership with MGM and EON, who are the movie rights holders. The quote here from studio boss Hakan Abrak, Creating an original Bond game is a monumental undertaking, and I truly believe that IO Interactive, working closely with our creative partners at EON and MGM, can deliver something extremely special for our players and communities. A passionate team is excited to unleash their creativity into the iconic James Bond universe and craft the most ambitious game in the history of our studio. That's an ambitious statement. That is a pretty ambitious statement. Yeah. I, I, I don't find the 007 universe exciting or super creative. It's a spy. It's, it's a spy it's, that's it's, been it's, around it's, since the 60s. It's one occasion. of the
1: original gentlemen spies right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, not just but a spy, it... but the concept of the gentleman spy. The yeah. We don't shoot our way out of problems, except now we do. Um. <laughs> I, I wonder what, like, I wonder if there are, like, true hardcore James Bond fans anymore who are like, man, they should have done this, or should have adapted this story. Uh, yeah, I mean... I, I don't know how many people here are aware of our listeners, James Bond's a book, initially. Like, it's a book yeah. series. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been around... For a, a long time.
0: hundred years at this point, I would imagine. Like, close it's to it, Sherlock Holmes-ish kind of level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 I
1: struggle to think what they're going to do. Like, they're obviously not going to make a Hitman game. Right? I, like, that's why I think yeah. the ambitious part is, like, interesting. Because, like, I, I suspect it's going to be linear.
0: Yeah, I, I am thinking it might be like Hitman Absolution, you know, the narrative Hitman mm-hmm. game that a lot of people mm-hmm. didn't like. I could see mm-hmm. that working in a James Bond game where you're getting disguises and you're kind of moving around. But I think a lot of people are maybe expecting like a GoldenEye experience. And to the yeah. like we had a discussion I, on Discord, GoldenEye's not very good. <laughs> I don't good think luck we need to, to go anyone who
1: expects there again. GoldenEye. Um, yeah. There have been James Bond games between GoldenEye and now. Mm-hmm. They. I believe most of them are literal movie tie-ins. Believe the, yeah, most of them aren't very good.
0: <laughs> yeah. The the last one was 2012 and it got a three out of
1: ten from Eurogamer in their review. Yeah. Double O
0: Seven yeah. Legends.
1: Yeah. They're they've they've been rough. They've been having a rough go at it in terms of James Bond game. Um, what I really want to see this is never gonna happen. But what I want to see is um, you get to the end of the game and like. You're walking up, like James Bond is walking out the door, and he just pulls off the wig, and you see the barcode on the back of the neck. Oh, man, that would be amazing. <laughs> it would be so good, wouldn't it? All All right, just... I'm on board
0: now. This is the, I'm, I'm so excited for this game now. <laughs> it's the only way it could be good for you. This This is canonical. This is canonical, and I'm down.
1: <laughs> because it would like, oh, okay. be such an easy little thing <laughs> to do. Yeah, yeah, it would yeah, cost yeah. them nothing, and it would just piss off. EoN e- e- and MTN. G- S- oh <S- man, so it'd funny. be so good. It'd be so funny. Oh. Yeah, I'm gonna write that on a fan fiction somewhere. Uh, <laughs> I- uh, yeah. So new new, new title. We you know basically nothing yet. And uh, yeah, least- that, that that actually sounded
0: like a uh, a 007 game. We basically know nothing yet. 007. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, Blue, do you want to take the reins for the next two stories since they're fighting sure. game adjacent? Uh,
1: well, they're they're all Nintendo adjacent and they're yeah. they all kind of lead into each other. So, th- this uh we're recording this Friday afternoon. This happened like uh Friday early morning for us. So, throughout the end of Thursday. Um, so Nintendo has been busy. Age of Calamity just released. Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. Uh, check out the Pixels for Breakfast YouTube channel if you haven't already. And oh, thanks buddy. <laughs> uh and So, yeah, here's the first part of this news. Um, When you buy a game as a streamer, you're excited to share it with the world. You want to be one of the first people to stream it. And, hey, you bought it. It's out. This isn't street date broken. You jump on Twitch, and you get 48-hour ban. (laughs) Because. Oh, yeah. Because? Because. Like, Nintendo hasn't actually given a statement as to why. Um, People are saying, oh, it's because. it's not out in the States yet, which isn't... That's not enough. That's not cool. Um,
0: yeah, just just uh, for, for insider knowledge here, the embargo that I had to sign on that game was pretty, pretty wild. Yeah. I haven't signed an embargo that restrictive in a long time, and Nintendo mm. are usually very restrictive, but this was, like, mm. next level. Mm. Like, um, I wasn't allowed to show anything in my review past Chapter 4 in the game. I wasn't allowed to show more than five seconds of cutscene at a time. And if I was showing cutscene, I had to have commentary over it. Um, yep. a whole bunch of stuff. I actually don't know if I can mention in depth, but you know, I'm just going to say that whatever, no one listens yeah. to this podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. so I think your theory there is probably right. And like the internet's theory, it's that I want the story spoiled for the 12 hours that America doesn't have it or something, but that's just, but oh, that's still so bad.
1: really, and this is, so let, let's talk about this side of things first, the twitch side of things first. Um, you know Twitch has recently been under a lot of flack for why aren't you standing up for content creators more? Why are all these DMCAs coming through uh, music companies, music l- record labels are hitting Twitch streamers very hard right now? And a lot of the automated process is very flawed at the moment. Like people are getting flagged for breathing. Like, literally heavy breathing while playing Phasmophobia is getting people flagged. I saw reports of someone playing a game with rain, and that got flagged because YouTube has a lot of, like, uh, you know, just rain sound um, videos. So a lot of people are very angry about this. And the so none of this is firsthand for me. I'm not a streamer. And a lot of this are opinions that I am regurgitating from my circles. But one thing that people have to realize here is, on the one hand, Twitch wants to protect its interests. On the other hand, uh mid to small tier streamers are not its interest. Um its primary like, go online at any time on Twitch, look at the top ten categories. They're, you know, the ones that pull in ninety percent of the viewers, they're gonna be games that probably won't be affected by this. Phasmophobia might be the one that's like kinda on the borderline there, but you know, Fortnite, all that kind of stuff. If it's if it's DMCAs relating to that, I'm sure you'd get action quite quickly, but For anyone smaller, they're being left a bit unheard at the moment. So people are already upset at that. Now, this DMCA is... Sorry, this banning, obviously, is Twitch sanctioned. And so streamers are again upset, understandably, because they would not have been told, I can't stream a game that's literally out where I am. I bought this. And as far as I'm aware, when I use your platform, I can stream this uh and the ban is for 48 hours it's not it's not just until america gets it, it it's been a blanket ban of 48 hours uh for some yeah. people that's a full day's livelihood lost and for some streamers that's relatively volatile so that's kind of uh problematic for a lot of people
0: yeah i mean twitch is definitely in a really bad spot as <laughs> a creator um like oh, it's very it's right. enough to really make me think about not streaming there anymore. But where yep. else do you go, right? It's, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like that. It's still like the biggest video. platform. Yeah. Um, um, like this is just one of those cases that Nintendo, and I mean, they're not the first one. Like, do you remember when Persona uh, Five yep. came
1: out and they were yes. like, "You can only stream like twenty-five minutes up of it,
0: and then we'll ban you."
1: Uh, yeah. Or uh, you can only, oh. and even months later, you can only stream up to this date in game.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is which is insane. Like, it's definitely not the first part of that, but. The big problem here with this verse as a creator is all of Twitch's tools are favoured to the other party. Like, yeah, they are not to the striker favoured towards
1: the uh, streamer. You, you are guilty until found innocent by yeah. their system. Yeah, which is bad. And then you have that all of this
0: on top of the fact that you can just buy affiliate status now. Did you see that?
1: Oh, I did not, no. But oh, that so... does not surprise me.
0: So, okay, <laughs> diverging off your new story a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, if, if you're a streamer on Twitch, um, for those who aren't in that world, uh, basically you can start streaming and that's it, right? Like no one can subscribe to you. No one can uh, give bits or any of the Twitch currency it's a, it's towards It's one you. way.
1: Other than the chat, yeah. it's one way. Exactly. The
0: only way that you can earn revenue off your stream is if you get donations. Uh, would you have to set up yourself through a third party sort of thing uh you hit a specific goal on twitch which is like three concurrent viewers over 12 consecutive days streaming like 10 uh, it's it's a short laundry list of yeah it's all these like metrics that you have to hit and people like kill themselves to hit this like if you go on the the twitch reddit you'll see people like oh my god i'm like at two concurrence, and I had the best day ever because three people came and said hello to me and I'm just going to yeah. stream for like 76 hours this week now. Like, yeah, it's,
1: it's really messed and, and up. And they'll do things like, I just need to get over this. Hump. I'm doing a 24-hour stream. If you've never yeah. streamed before, don't, don't do 24-hour streams. They're, they're yeah. really bad for you. Like, yeah, health-wise. don't do a 24-hour stream. Just do 52 and a half hours. Anyway. Uh- <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to a... I am talking right next to one of the biggest idiots I know. So. yes exactly um, yeah.
0: but uh now they're trying to give you the creator the privilege of oh, yeah. solving it, it's, your it's dmca for you. it's for no, you solving yeah. solving twitch's dmca problem by buying a monster cat pro subscription for 7.99 a month which gets you like all of the royalty free music you could ever want for your streams and twitch affiliate status so instead of just fixing the DMCA issue, they've partnered with Monster Cat to be like, "Well, here you can just pay to
1: avoid the DMCA issue, and we'll give you Twitch affiliate for it." I'm also not confident that um this will solve it. I th- I still think we're going to get false flags with this. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. But what I'm saying right? is they should just like fix the issue, and and also okay. And I I will say it's not as simple as that. Twitch's hands. It's not as simple as Twitch and Amazon just goes make this happen this this is a long standing copyright law problem yeah but then you have uh,
0: facebook gaming who have bought rights to basically all the music on spotify so people can just play what they want
1: yeah so like
0: twitch has the money and twitch is dependent tw- twitch on creators yeah. and some of their top creators are having years of their work deleted because of this yep yeah so like just fix the problem but twitch also to the point capacity don't make people work themselves to death to get this minuscule thing of affiliate. Like everyone should just be able to monetize their stream from, from day one, because if you're not entertaining or good, no one's going to subscribe to you anyway. Right. This, the so problem fixes you, itself. Yeah. They, you're at this thing where people are killing themselves for, for three followers concurrently, three viewers rather, and then they get affiliate and they get one subscriber anyway. And then it just, they left questioning, why did I try? Why did I try uh, for so long to make this happen? So it's just all of the Twitch stuff right now is just not feeling great. And then this, this on top of that, which I'm sure this is coming from Nintendo. But like, yes. if Nintendo were like doing this, why doesn't Twitch just let people know?
1: Yeah.
0: Why like, didn't they send it, the, the out and create that, a creator newsletter and be like, hey,
1: Nintendo's avoid, flagging yeah.
0: accounts. Please don't stream it until X date. We're trying to work it out. And,
1: and there's like no warning. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it, it's in the system. You can select Hy- Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity. Why aren't you given a warning there? Mm. Perfect like, place, right? So many...
0: For all of Mixer's problems, when stuff like this would happen, they
1: usually told partners, at least. Yes. So,
0: uh,
1: okay, so following <laughs> on and continuing the dog pile on Nintendo, and I do feel a bit bad for this, but there is a series of tournaments um, known as uh, the Big House. Um, they were gonna have the, you know, standard yearly annual big super smash brothers melee tournament um and melee has had an interesting uh year and a half th- There's some advancements have been made to be able to run melee with rollback netcode which is insane uh for th- this means that it feels as close to playing in person as it can while still having you know while still making some concessions for how um, things look on screen, but when you hit a button, there's no delay between when you hit the button and something happens. So this was a huge deal, and because of social distancing, this Melee event was going to be run online. Well, Nintendo can't have that. Nintendo absolutely cannot have you playing their games online, I guess. So they they put out a cease and desist uh, on this, and has effectively... Um, killed this tournament and its series. And this is not the first time Nintendo has gone quite hard on Smash Brothers as a fighting game. As a fighting game. Um, they have like prevented it from being run at big tournaments in the past. Uh, it's, it's super interesting. I, I think it's just very sad because normally what happens when a game is old is you lose support and then you have to keep the game alive on your own that's hard that's already hard enough in this case you lose support and then the company that made the game is telling you don't play it yeah what do you
0: do then (laughs) what do you do then you know i mean you and i got to clash on this but nintendo's in their rights because it's using a third party tool right uh nintendo is 100 percent in their rights yeah um the thing I that I, I think it's of really is... terrible and shitty. Yeah, and like especially given the state of the world and the social distancing. But at the same time, they're using a system that's i like, Just that, knowing the... how Nintendo is, especially being a Japanese yeah. company, like, like I think any Japanese company would take this step. And I think it's S- just a difference in
1: thinking, visibility. Uh, especially- I also, I think Smash is vocal. Smash
0: yeah, out. absolutely. It's just. Um, Like, Nintendo as a company, and I'm only speaking from my knowledge of Nintendo Australia, but I assume it's the same for America. Like, Mm. I don't think anyone in Nintendo America is making this happen. Because all these decisions, everything, like, even, like, who to send a copy of a game to at a publication is decided by Japan. It's not decided by the local office. So, I think Nintendo America has been, you know, roped into this uh, from, from HQ, you know what I mean?
1: Sucks. Um, it it does it does. Uh, and, and one of the things to take away from this is a reminder that all content on online, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, streaming, on YouTube, streaming, all of that, everything is by the grace of the owners of the game. No one has the rights to do anything that is. there is no free, there is no fair use here. There is no, but the law says this. No, copyright laws currently are quite archaic and has not caught up with the way the internet functions. So just as a reminder, you are functioning, any one of you who does any streaming or whatever, or content creation, you're functioning by the grace of content owner, case of developers, publishers. And they 100% have the perfectly legal right to rescind you the um, ability to produce content based on their content.
0: Now most, why? Because it is a very important marketing and visibility. Yes, that's right. And a good community building thing. But, like, yes, you can get frustrated. Yes, you can voice your concerns and mm-hmm. you know call them out on this stuff.
1: But you but are not uh, in the right by the law.
0: Yeah. At the end of the day, yeah, it's not, and it's frustrating as a creator to be mm-hmm. that way.
1: But yeah, <sighs> just and as man. a, so you know, and and we can, we leave the news behind now. I think.
0: Yeah, that's a bit of a weird way to end the news. Um.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to how we are illegally <laughs> using. you are going to ask me what I've been playing?
0: Yeah, what have you been playing, Blue? I, I know um, what you've been playing
1: a little bit, but talk to me. You inspired me to boot up my PS4 again. So, played some Beat Saber past week. Good. I like it- it's a good opportunity to move um, in this like very sedentary period of time. I
0: am so surprised, uh, so like Beat Saber, I don't know if it does this on the PlayStation, but Oculus just rolled out a new move thing, um, which Mm -hmm. is like tracking your movement time and speed and all that sort of stuff and giving you Mm -hmm. calorie breakdowns and all that jazz. Mm -hmm. Um, but does Beat Saber on PlayStation, like give you extra points, the harder and like more, uh, swing arc you use? Technically. yeah. Yeah. So, like, when you're playing a song at Expert or above and, like, actually just getting right into it and swinging hard and fast, like, god damn, is that a cardio workout,
1: actually. Like, I did not think it would be. And you don't have to go for very long at that rate. If you're playing at that level, it's, like, 30, 40 minutes and you're you're good for the day. Better better
0: than any treadmill workout I've had, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. it works different muscles, but yeah, for
0: sure. Yeah, like my I did a session. Like I'm only doing it like every two days because I'm like I go into it for an hour at expert and just go real hard. But yeah, like, my my shoulders are killing
1: me. <laughs> now, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Later, you know? I I definitely take that as a oh my god, I'm so unfit. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, that's how right, I, totally. I treat it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you've been playing some Beat Saber, enjoying that. I've been playing some Beat Saber. I've been playing some Deep Rock Galactic again. I already talked about it last week. So. Mm-hmm. What else have I been playing? Is that it is, is that all i've been playing i think that's all i have been playing if that's all you've mentioned to me yeah 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 cool good i played like the first two hours of hollow Knight.
0: oh okay i'm i don't like it so much because it's a gated progression adventure but it's one i want to go back to because i really liked the art and animation and it's australian how do you feel about it
1: i think that all the people who compare to the dark souls is being very disappointed like, oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Like, <laughs> it is its it is so much its own thing that it's like insulting to both games to to like compare them to each other. Uh, it was
0: also the era where everything like the Citizen Kane became the Dark Souls of you know.
1: Every era is always gonna have a comparison point, and we're in a we're in a very cool one right now if you're on Steam as well, uh, because Rogue is released yeah. on Steam and is a rogue like. Yeah. <laughs> like oh, shit. Yeah, like like our our genre name for this game, which is the genre definer, is yeah, it's kinda like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did not realize that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So rogue was recently released on Steam, if you look at the tags, Rogue is a roguelike. And um I, I guess to that, I have to say, it sure is, Steam. It sure oh, is. Yeah. It sure
0: is. It, some uh, could argue it's the most roguelike.
1: Yeah, like, you know, if we had, like, percentage of how much this game is, like, rogue, I'd say that's close to 100%. Yeah, I reckon. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, genres suck. Uh, and I saw a take that uh, we should almost refer to triple A let me pull up this like picture of a tweet real quick here. Um, let's see. Proposal: We need to start calling Japanese AAA games J AAA like we do the RPGs to differentiate. Because maybe it's just me, but when I think about quote unquote the problems of AAA gaming, it's 98% Western devs. Just saying. And that's the most like I don't I don't understand where that comes from. <laughs> I just don't understand.
0: Uh, uh yeah. like soon we're going to get into like Scandinavian neo punk like rogue <laughs> that'll be a genre yeah. soon you know what i mean it, it's going to yeah. be like this weird rabbit hole of music like yeah genre so systems. uh
1: yeah that that's i have been playing dwarf mining uh and um and i've been playing beat saber it's been good nice nice what have you
0: been so, up so i got an xbox series x got one it's here in front of me the black monolithic box There it is. um yeah it it's interesting i haven't played a lot of it because i was doing the age of calamity review when it came in mm-hmm. and work has just been mental mm-hmm. but i did get some time in it yesterday so uh i'm just going to explain uh the 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 system of how i got this so they sold out immediately. Both consoles sold out immediately in Japan, but there was also a national lottery at places like Amazon, the Microsoft Store, um, and I think Bic Camera, and maybe a few others. We could enter the lottery and they would randomly draw, and then you had the opportunity to buy one. Uh, Win the
1: opportunity to give them.
0: Yeah, basically. So I entered that thinking, like, I'm not going to get cold or whatever. And then release day came around and I didn't get it. So I was like, cool, whatever. And then uh, a couple of days ago I got an email being like, yo, there's an Xbox series X with your name on it. You've been selected. Do you want one? And I had 48 hours to comply basically. Uh, So I did do that after reading that stock for that console is basically going to be very, very extremely low until like April, May next year. And then Japan would be even lower than that. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, it was pretty good. It comes in this really nice box. Like Microsoft definitely have gone the premium Apple product route. They've really upped their packaging. As weird as that sounds, like it is a nice experience. It comes in a good box. Yep. You pull out this big, heavy, square, oblong thing, um, plugged it in, and then it's like, we're downloading an update. Scan this QR code on the Xbox app on your phone. So I did that. And it's like, cool, we have your gamertag and everything. Do you, which games do you want to start downloading? We'll pull all your saves down. Um, and when, by the time it had finished the update and I'd gone to do some work stuff and come back, like it had already downloaded half my game library that I selected. Um, jump into a game, saves are just there, just as if I was on my Xbox One X, except everything's much faster and prettier now. And mm-hmm. uh, just absolutely flawless. Like could not believe just how easy it was to get back into it. Um, and yeah, just some refinements. The controller feels a lot like my pro controller. Um, I'll probably still use my pro controller just because I don't need to use that share button. Um, (laughs) otherwise it feels, it does feel a little, I can't put my finger on it. Like looking at it, it looks exactly the same, but it does feel a little different. I don't know if it's just the, I think the bumper buttons are a little better on this controller. Right. Um, but yeah, like, uh, loading times are incredible. Uh, like Yakuza, there's like basically no loading anymore. Where on mm-hmm. there one on the when I did the first stream, there was a lot of waiting in between scenes. Like now it's just like, yep, I'm here, I'm ready to go. Mm. Um, and then yeah, I the only other game I've played on it was I started playing Hellblade: Sending a Sacrifice because I'd never played it, and the sequel looked really interesting. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna get through this because I knew it was only like six hours long. Hmm. Um, I'm up to the very end of it. That game is Wild. That game is it's really weird. wild. It's a weird game.
1: I don't I like it. I don't I guess I like it. I don't I like it intellectually. It. Yeah, I I I don't think it's meant to be enjoyed. I don't think you're supposed to feel comfortable playing that
0: game. Yeah, well it's not even the comfortability of it. It's like okay, it's got this combat and it's pretty basic, but I get it. And then it's yep. got this puzzle solving stuff and like it's all just a bit eh. Did you play it with headphones? Uh yes. The like sound design and everything's amazing. Yeah. And like the puzzles aren't hard, but it's just a bit more like I actually just rather walk yeah. around and be told no.
1: this stuff than have to find the symbols mm, of not a fan of it. not a huge fan of the puzzle i i like the combat Actually, i, I liked what little combat was, which yeah, is not surprising uh this is ninja theory, theory right yeah, yeah this is ninja theory ninja theory are a good developers like they, they know how to yeah, combat yeah. so this, it um, wasn't surprising it
0: definitely feels low budget in terms of, like, the scope of it, but, like, mm-hmm. it looked... So I had loaded it up and watched the intro on my One X, and, like, yep. on the Series X at 4K 60, like, it just looked
1: phenomenal. Like, I couldn't believe how yes. good it looks. Because it's it... a couple of years old now. Yes. Um, and they, they, they poured technical passion into it, even if they couldn't pour money. Yeah. So I'm actually... Now I'm really...
0: Psyched to play the sequel with the Microsoft budget behind it.
1: I'm I'm interested to see what you think once you hit the end because I I'm not sure where the sequel necessarily goes and I'm we're not Ah. we don't have a we don't have a fixed idea of what the sequel is gonna gonna be yet. So interesting. I might finish it tonight. I have I'm like I
0: looked up like how many areas are there and I'm up to the second last area, so I'll I'll easily be able to knock it out. Yeah, cool.
1: I love that. Um, Uh, I love bits of that game. Um, Yeah. The, uh... Yeah,
0: I, I was talking to BroDuck about it, and I was like, I don't like it, but I want to finish it and play it, and I, I wouldn't recommend, like, it's not a, hey, I'm gonna play a game and have fun, it's like... No, it's not a game. It's not a feel-good game, either. <laughs> no, it's it's being assaulted, but it, it it's art. Like, that's yes. as close as, like, it yeah. is art yeah. with a little bit of gameplay, it's, it's interesting. It, it,
1: it's, it's more interesting. art to me than the, like, Dear Esthers and what happened to Edith Finch. what remains of Edith is It's more art to me than those kinds. Yeah. Um, the, the, mm, yeah. It's just oh, no, because there's... of my specifics. I'm not saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This game. Um, I want to point out, uh, is just the, the reason I brought up the audio. Don't know how many people listening know this, but it was specifically designed with binaural audio. Like, all, all audio is recorded with binaural design in mind. That means that when you put the headphones on, you are supposed to be able to hear if something is back and to the left of you, front and to the right of you, so, and that plays into the most unexpected ways. Like for example, in combat, one of the cues that someone is behind, attacking from behind because you, you're seeing from a very narrow point of view is the the schizophrenic voice in your head goes to the left, and like it sounds like it's coming to the left from the left, and like that is such an amazing piece of like audio design uh, married into gameplay design.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's this section where you're in a dungeon and you've got to hear the sounds to tell you which way to go and stuff. Like, yeah, it's really, really cool. Super yeah. well done. Yeah. The the thing that I always heard about this game was how it tackles, like, really important mental health issues, and I'm definitely just not seeing that. Um, I don't I... know. I don't want to go into spoiler territory if the ending does serve to that, but I'm like, okay, cool. She has schizophrenic voices and she's yep. in pain and confused a lot, but, like, I'm not really seeing any triumphs of mental health discussion in this thing.
1: No. Um uh, I, I, I'm on board with that take. I yeah. I mostly had that same impression. What I will say is that I consider I considered it a triumph because uh they worked with professionals and sufferers to be like is this in the ballpark of what it's like? So it's not just grasping at straws when they yeah. try to talk about this subject matter. And so that puts a lot more faith into like Okay. This, this, this is some of what it feels like. This is some of what it is like. Um, yeah, because authenticity, when, I guess. Yeah, yeah, authenticity. Like, like just having that in the credits makes me go, "Oh, okay, okay." I'll keep that in mind as I feel out who and what, then, you know, is.
0: Yeah, and it was interesting to see that, like, they have a historic um, director who's like. It's, for those who don't know, it's like Valhalla and Viking era stuff, and. Mm. It feels like it's extremely well-researched and, and very passionate yeah. about Whereas, it, so yeah. I, I guess
1: something compared to, like, um, Valhalla, uh, as in Assassin's Creed, um, I, I have to, like, stop and go, I wonder if that's accurate. You know, like, I, I wonder if that's accurate. I, I have so much doubt about historical accuracy with a lot of media now that to have someone out in the front of the game say, yeah, we, we tried our best makes me feel a bit better.
0: Yeah, and I did notice it has a feature documentary uh, mm. included, so I'm gonna watch that after I finish it. But yeah, mm-hmm. pretty interesting game. Um, mm. Definitely not for everyone. Um, Short. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I just today got a code for Immortals: Phoenix Rising for the Xbox Series X, which will be my first. Like, it's a brand new game on this new hardware, so um, gonna be checking that out. Review launch coming title. December first. Like, um,
1: it's effectively a launch title. So yeah, exactly. It's so it's going to be, be interesting. interesting. Launch titles traditionally don't go over well, but uh yeah, it happens.
0: It's not really a, it's it's so weird like as someone who's been a PC gamer, it really does feel like upgrading my PC pass to play my old games better and that's super cool and awesome to have. Like that's yeah. the approach Xbox has gone. Uh, Sony's not really doing that approach as much. No, Sony um, Sony
1: wants the new console feeling with all yeah. of the pitfalls that
0: that entails. But that's the thing. This is like coming home and knowing exactly what I'm going to get, but everything's just better. And um, yep. yeah, I don't know. I'm really, really happy with it. So uh, Also, for, for streaming purposes, it's really interesting because any sort of bigger triple A game now, instead of stressing my PC out because I've only got one PC and I'm starting to hit that wall where I'm starting to get frame dips and stuff when I'm playing and streaming, I'm just going to play that on this console now because it's like... Almost as good as my PC graphics, but not going to take a hit. And like when you're watching a 1080p stream, you're not going to be able to see all the minute detail anyway. So it's kind of an interesting solution for that. Yep. Um, Also, I've been playing Age of Calamity, as you said, reviewed Calamity on YouTube. you were actually present for some of that review. Mm. I really like like that game, Blue.
1: I liked what I saw. I really I, I liked most of what I saw. <laughs> we we had a we had a very long discussion, and none of this will like th- this is all personal grievances, so none of this makes it into like general review. Yeah. But you know, some of the handling of characters is um, questionable to me, and, and interesting otherwise. Uh,
0: oh. And by the handling, do you mean Zelda's running animation or well, Zelda's
1: animation at all? <laughs> looks she doesn't. Like, there are rules in animation, right, where the animation conveys character and personality. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like that was the character and personality that we were being sold from Breath of the Wild based on the very little bit, admittedly, amounts of animation I saw for Zelda in Age of Calamity. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's all. I agree. Uh, I agree.
0: Yeah. So, for those who don't know, it's a sequel to Hyrule Warriors. While the first Hyrule Warriors was just a celebration of the Zelda franchise as a whole, this one is a prequel to Breath of the Wild. And it tells the story of the war and rising of Calamity Ganon that basically locks everything away for 100 years uh, until Link reawakens at the start of Breath of the Wild. Um, It was really interesting to me just how painstakingly important it was for this game to really cement itself as yes this is a prequel to Breath of the Wild like it's a cold open like Breath of the Wild is with just the plain white font like Breath of the Wild is nope. um it's very minimalistic it basically pulls in it just adds so much weight to each character so unlike Hyrule Warriors where you're on this mission and there's like this narration and then you're like go and do this thing now and oh and you're here that's really cool nice to see you again like, there's none of that. It's like, you are going to reunite all the champions from across Hyrule because you know this is coming. And it's, it should have been the Rogue One of this universe where you're like, we know how this ends and it's not going to be good, but let's go on the ride and see how it gets there. But literally at the very start of the game, they are made aware of the calamity coming from a time-traveling robot, a mini Guardian. Uh, and then another mini-guardian who is an evil mini-guardian is back trying to throw a spanner in the works. So you has got this, this classic Terminator situation where you've got two Terminators trying to kill Tom Yeah, John except Tana, that basically. instead of
1: Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's BB-8.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, like, I'm not going to go into the story because I do think that for, for the whole, and like not all, it's a pretty solid story. It's, um, I said this in the review, it's not groundbreaking, but it's pretty damn good, especially for a game that, a series that, hasn't really had a story like most yeah. of the lore comes from the text at the start and stuff surrounding the game and like the texts outside of the game like Rule Historia and all this sort of stuff like we're kind of given this bread trail of interesting characters and how they fit into this universe but there's not really like here's a really awesome lore dump right yeah. um this is that like you get to see uh the the personality of these characters, and I don't agree with some of the personalities of how I would have written them, but um, you know, it is a Nintendo game as well. Uh- <laughs> yeah. yeah, but like, it's awesome to see that in this universe, and like, it makes me be like excited for the next Breath of the Wild. Like, I hope that they do have. I hope this is a a signal of where they may be going with their writing, where they may be going to be exploring things. Um, it didn't get as dark as I wanted it to. But yeah, all in all, I, I really liked the game and just the gameplay was tons of fun. It, it mm. just felt more grounded. Uh, as, as you saw, um, they work the Sheikah Slate runes into the combat flow, yep. um, which is really cool. It just adds a bit more diversity. Like that was the thing streaming Hyrule Warriors. Like I liked it, but it's just like I'm hitting light, light, heavy, light, 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 heavy. Like it's just the same over and over again. Yep. And Having a bit of that strategic element throwing in the Sheikah Slate runes just really made it feel like a bit more intentional. I had to pay a bit more attention to it, mm. and uh, the final thing I'll talk about is just the the map. Um, so, like in other in Hyrule Warriors, you were going through all these menus to sell items and craft things and blah 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 and upgrade everything. Whereas here, there's like different regions of Hyrule, and you're filling out all these things by handing in, like, ah, oh, well, we need this many herbs and Bokoblin tails to make this thing for our village. So you kind of instead of just spending all this time in menus, and essentially it is menus, just put in a different light it feels like you're contributing to the cause and yeah, it, yeah. Just, it Dres- just made dress it a lot up more your sense menus,
1: right like yeah don't make exactly. final fantasy 13 <laughs> like isn't that what we learned from final fantasy 13 yes rpgs are just a linear corridor don't yeah, make yeah, an yeah. rpg that's just a linear corridor um, yeah exactly dress it up a bit yeah
0: but yeah all in all i think um if you're a fan of Hyrule Warriors, you're probably gonna like this one a lot yeah um, i think there's a lot more depth to it if you're a fan of Breath of the Wild, I think you will enjoy this. If you wanted that game to have more story, I think, in particular. Don't go into
1: this looking... I, 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 I want to say this, and I don't know if this is right, so correct me if I'm wrong. Uh-huh. This, isn't cano- this isn't canonical, right? This is just not canonical.
0: Um, well, this is the thing that is very confusing about it, because they didn't they say beforehand it was? Oh, if they did, then they were breaking their own canon. I think they said that it was, but then because of the- I, I don't know. I would need to look that up. I don't know. So- But the introduction of the time-travelling guardians just gives them a consequence-free way out, basically.
1: Like, no, anything- no, 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 no. A, lot of, a lot of other things are broken. As in, like, a lot of their own rules are broken. In, in Breath of the Wild, um, when you meet Pora, she says that she only figures out the special runes in the Sheikah Slate after Link goes to sleep. One of the And they only reacted because he touched them, which implies that it never left Zelda's hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And no one else is supposed to be able to use it. Yeah, it is yeah, yeah. the right of the champion. So they are breaking some of their rules from the concept.
0: Yeah, yes. but the introduction of the time-travelling robots mean that they can say that that happened before we see it. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it just gives them an, anything that they want to nope out of this, they can. With some, like, oh, well, you just didn't see that that was actually, like, with the third some... time slip stream, you know?
1: Maybe. Maybe. But, um... The times yeah, still don't add up. The timeline still doesn't add up. But, yeah, that's yeah, true. Uh, I mean, like, I'll this give is the benefit also of the, of the game doubt. that I has, like, it.
0: an entire coffee table book trying to explain the 40 timelines from
1: each game. Also, right? <laughs> so... I, I suppose. But, I, yeah, yeah, I guess from my point of view, because I'm not a Zelda fan. Right. I mm-hmm. I've played two Zelda games, including Breath of the Wild, which I haven't finished. Um, yeah. So from my point of view, it's not hard to keep Breath of the Wild's timeline straight, and they haven't. They they've gone out of their way to not do it by a game. And yeah, yeah, yeah. When you do things like that, I'm like, okay, it's not canon. Like I can still appreciate the story for what it will be, but and characterizations the... could still be accurate, but it's the, it's the, like the... really not canon. You know. The one thing of, uh you'll learn to
0: understand if you do play more Zelda games is there is no canon because (laughs) it's, like, the same story retold time and time again and they're all connected via, well, actually, that game that came out, like, was the 10th Zelda game is actually the first Zelda game. um, And, like, who's the original Link, who's not the original Link, how Zelda came to power. Like, it's all just constantly, like, they are connected through the most thinly veiled piece of string that they might as well not be
1: connected at all. Right. But see some of it is interesting because for example Link Between Worlds goes out of its way to tell you that you're not you're not a hero of time because you're not you don't save Hyrule. Yeah. You you end up saving spoilers. You end up saving rule. Um yeah. and like it makes references in the game to oh you look like the hero of, the hero of time that just was. You know, which is really cool. So like, they can. They can make weird canons here and there. And, you know, sometimes they want to sidestep it, and I'm very cool with that. Termina is a great sidestep to Hyrule. Mm hmm. hmm. Uh. Just, yeah, that's just why I don't think that. I don't know. I, I never let developers go when they break canon, because I'm a narrative person at heart. Uh, and yeah. I will accept that it's non canonical, but if you want to try and. Like wiggle your way. Around. No, but it is canon. But this, then I'm like, you're full of shit. Like, I'll call you out on that. Yeah. Just say uh, you broke canon. Like, just say you broke canon. It's fine. I'm
0: I'm agreeing with you, but this is also Nintendo who don't really deal in that,
1: right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like they don't care about how fans react to each game. They want to treat each game as a standalone. Like, you know, like when people ask uh, Miyamoto, like, what is Mario's last name? He's like, Mario doesn't have a name. And then three years later, he's like. Fine, fuck it. Mario's last name is Mario, and yeah. then someone asked just before Breath of the Wild, "What is Link's last name?" Wink, wink, and he's like, I, "It wasn't him, but like someone else in Nintendo was just like, Link. His last name's Link. Like, yeah, you know, like it doesn't matter. It doesn't really fucking matter what Link's last name is. Yeah, um, yeah, and in a lot of ways, it doesn't matter that they can use the Sheikah Slate rules, because it's a different story. It's a different, effectively, timeline, right? Um, mm. I'm fine with that. Just, just don't say it's Link to Breath of the Wild then, because because and here it is, right? Because uh you built something very pre- pretty with Breath of the Wild. I really like Breath of the Wild. Like right? a lot of aspects of Breath of the Wild, um, story-wise. And if you want to say it's just a separate thing, cool. If you want to say this is exactly before, for the most part, then I call bullshit on that. That's all.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's a fair stance to take, I think. But yeah.
1: I'm I'm I comic know, it, book fanning this for sure. Yeah, I, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, I don't think yeah. it really matters. <laughs> no, <laughs> right? it doesn't. And, it really doesn't. It really. Doesn't. Yeah, personal um, and opinions yeah, you. couldn't yeah. air on uh, on on the on the review. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I think it um, it does a pretty good job of just bringing the one thing from Breath of the Wild, and like I didn't finish that game either because mm. it was frustrating of. me that for the first time I had this gorgeous world that had like so much intrigue to it. Like, it Mm. was so empty and devastated, and then you would find, like, these characters that you're like, oh, and, like, we knew each other, and, like, oh, you're old now, and, like, oh, and this is, like, and all this stuff, but not enough to fill it out. It was just, like- It doesn't feel consequential. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, for me, it was just really nice to see that, and I think if they could bridge the gap between the two styles, I think they'll have something super interesting. Mm. Um. But once again, like it's Nintendo, and I don't count on them to do anything ever. I especially don't count on them to
1: characterize Zelda the way a lot of people because she's just been a blank slate. Yeah,
0: no, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, but yeah, so I've been playing that. Um, Half Life Alex. Half Life. Have Half-Life you finished Alex? Uh, no, I haven't finished it. Um, Getting close. because I got that review. Yeah, um, that's true. That's true. So, I was planning to get back to that, but I'll be starting Immortals tonight as well. I, so. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, and Yakuza. Yakuza, um, which this podcast is already getting pretty long, but the long and the short of it is, like, that game is way better than I was expecting it to be. Uh, Yakuza 0 set such an insanely high bar for me personally. Uh, there was this series that I thought I knew what it was and what I thought I knew what it was as was a bad GTA from Japan, basically (laughs) with weird mini games. (laughs) Then I played it and top 10 game of all time for me, without a doubt, like changed the way I think of narratives. That's a pretty high bar to hit.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause the seven in a completely different game style, completely new cast of characters for the first time since the series started. And, uh, It's a turn-based, like, Persona, Final Fantasy style battle system, and I typically hate those games. They're just not my thing. Uh, I'll play Persona just because I really like its style, but I don't enjoy it. I have loved every single minute of my 10 hours with this game so far, and I'm not even mad that there's probably another 80 or 90 hours to go. The characters just have so much heart in this one. Like, ah! So good. I know it's not for everyone, and I can even tell on my streams that no one really cares, that I'm playing it, but I don't care. I love it. I love it, and this one's for me. So <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm just
1: so excited. I, it is something else to see a game confident at what it does, and then doing it. And uh, so like, let me just tell
0: you something. You weren't watching the stream last night,
1: right? No.
0: So I've been I avoiding me- it. I,
1: I actually will admit I've been <laughs> avoiding it because I just I don't know if I'm ready to take on it. A... Can I just tell you the-, the yeah, 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 do it, do it, do it. Yeah, yeah, do it. So, like, third side quest into
0: the game, about eight hours into the game, mind you. So, of yeah. about eight hours, I reckon there's been about an hour of gameplay. <laughs> and yep. Yep. I'm up to, like, it was third side story, and this guy comes out in a trench coat and starts flashing us. He's just in his boxer shorts, but his crotchal region is glowing like the briefcase out of um, uh, oh, fiction. fiction, right? Mm-hmm. So, we beat up the dude, like, that's a fight, and then when Mm. we beat him up, um, this professor dude comes out and thanks us for taking out the creep for his research, and then takes us to his lab, and starts, like, spraying all these, like, Pokemon quotes, but they're not direct quotes, they're just rewritten, and he wants us to beat up all the Sujimon, which are the bad guys. And he right. gave us a Suji dex. And every time that we knock out a bad guy now, it collects data for this guy who needs us to destroy them all. Yep. And it's just like, what is this game? Like, honestly, what the hell is going on? And I yep. love it. Yep. It's amazing. Yeah. Also, the main hero, um, he grew up in a soap land, which is basically like a se- semi illegal prostitution house. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Dragon Quest raised him. And he keeps referring to Dragon Quest and like mm-hmm. now he has it in his head that he's the hero from Dragon Quest. And yep. it's just so strange to me for this one in particular to be so referential to an extremely classic and still running Japanese RPG. Like it's yeah. super cool. And kind of uh, everyone that he's told in the game so far is just like, really? You love Dragon Quest? <laughs> you, you, what? <laughs> it's like, yeah, super cool. Um, so yeah, really digging it. Digging it hard. Also, yeah. apologies if you can hear the Japanese. Uh, they're announcing something about coronavirus through the town at the moment. I don't know if that came through on recording. Um, but yeah, probably that's on what recording, I've been but playing, not Oh, good, good. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's it from me, Blue. Do you have anything else you want
1: to no, talk about? I, yeah, I have something else. I want to apologise for going so long on this one.
0: Ah, yeah, sorry guys. We we tend to do that a little bit. It's played a lot this week. Just played a lot. New console. We'll blame that.
1: It's been a fun week. I'm so tired. I don't know about you. I'm I'm just tired uh, all the time.
0: I I want a beer and just to lock myself. I guess play Phoenix Rising now. My weekend spoken for.
1: Yep. Yep. <sighs> Sounds good.
0: All right. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Make sure that you hit the like and share the podcast with a friend if you don't already. Head on over to YouTube.com forward slash Pixels for Breakfast to see the video version of this. Uh, this is an extended version of the video that I release every Saturday morning, 9am Japan time, called The Breakfast Wrap. And uh, make sure you head over to twitch.tv forward slash pixels for breakfast. I stream three mornings a week, Japan time. A variety of games, including Yakuza and Hades at the moment. Blue, do you want to give your other podcast a
1: plug? Platforms and Pitfalls is another podcast that I am on and it's a design podcast. Although this recent episode that just came out on November the 15th, we talked about First three games in the Fabula Nova Crystallis series. Looking at it from a kind of developmental reception uh, of those games and like what they kind of do and why they tried to do that. I don't talk very much on that one because I don't know much about those games. But um, my two co-hosts are very very knowledgeable and they talk to about those games. We will have a follow up to that one with the last two games the Fabula Nova Crystallis series next month, probably around December.
0: There you have it, folks. And as always, don't forget to pixelate your breakfast. (音楽)